You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, January 1st, 2023. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm, of course, here to recap number four Ohio State's extremely disappointing, heartbreaking 42-41 loss to number one Georgia in the college football playoff semifinals in the Peach Bowl last night. Now, look, I thought Ryan Day, C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, and the Ohio State offense were magnificent last night. They more than held up their end of the bargain, in my opinion. 348 yards passing and four touchdowns from Stroud, a combined 218 yards receiving and three touchdowns from Harrison and Ibuka. Now, thanks to a vicious hit by Javon Bullard on Marvin Harrison Jr., which looked like textbook targeting to me, which was overturned by replay, the Buckeye offense had to play the fourth quarter with one arm tied behind its back because because Marvin Harrison Jr. had to leave the game with what looked like a concussion. He was not able to return. Ryan Day had to deal with several other missing pieces to his offense. I mean, he had to turn to Xavier Johnson at running back by the end of the game. Mayan Williams was only able to give the Buckeyes three carries because of illness and injury. Tight end Kate Stover left the game in the first half because of back spasms and did not return. And look, the Buckeyes were already at a major deficit coming into the game without Trey Henderson, without Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then continued to lose key personnel as the game went along. And yet the offense was still able to put up 41 points against the vaunted Georgia defense. Look, if you score 41 points in a college football playoff semifinal, you should expect to win, period. Now, more on that in a minute. The game turned on two big moments in the second half, in my opinion. The first was the aforementioned targeting call reversal on Javon Bullard at the end of the third quarter that knocked Marvin Harrison Jr. out of the game. That play came on third and goal from the Georgia seven-yard line. If that call is upheld, the Buckeyes would get a fresh set of downs from the Georgia three-and-a-half-yard line and very likely push the lead out to 42-24. Instead, the call was reversed. The Buckeyes had to settle for a field goal, and they, of course, lose their most important offensive player after C.J. Stroud for the rest of the game. Now, the other big moment was an Ohio State's ensuing possession with the Buckeyes in punt formation on fourth and one, leading 38-27 with just under nine minutes to play. Ohio State would execute a perfect fake to Mitch Rossi to get the first down, but the play would be waved off by a timeout call from Georgia head coach Kirby Smart. Smart's spidey senses were, were working on the play. He recognized the fake was on and just barely called the timeout before the ball was snapped. Ohio State would end up deciding to punt, and on the very next play, Stetson Bennett would hit Arian Smith for a 76-yard touchdown pass thanks to another blown coverage by the Buckeye secondary. Georgia would then convert a two-point try to cut the lead to 38-35, and that's, quite frankly, when the game began to slip away from the Buckeyes. Now, in Ohio State's final drive of the game, after Georgia scored the go-ahead touchdown, I guess you could take some issue with Ryan Day's play calling after Stroud's scramble got the Buckeyes down to the Georgia 31-yard line with 24 seconds to play. 
it did seem like there was an opportunity to get a few more yards to make it an easier field goal try for Noah Ruggles. But look, you don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. at that stage. You're using Xavier Johnson at running back. You don't have Cade Stover. The The Georgia defense was bringing extreme pressure on Stroud on every snap. I mean, what are you going to do? That was not why Ohio State lost this game. It should not have come down to a pressure-packed field goal try from Noah Ruggles at the very edge of his range. So, okay, look, I'm going to tick down my list of other observations, and I'm going to start with the primary reason I'm talking about another disappointing loss for the Buckeyes today and not a berth in the national championship game, which was the complete and utter failure of Jim Knowles' defense in this game's biggest moments. Now, I said in our preview pod that I was very concerned about the Buckeye defense coming into this game because it was entirely too boom or bust, especially against the pass, against the best offensive skill talent the Buckeyes faced during the regular season. I'm talking about Penn State, Maryland, and Michigan. In those three games, the defense allowed a total of of, of just under 1,000 yards of total offense, eight passing touchdowns, and they allowed too much fourth quarter scoring. In all three games. I mean, that was a major problem for the defense against all three of those opponents. The Buckeyes allowed 17 fourth quarter points to Penn State and Maryland and 21 to Michigan. Well, predictably and unfortunately, that trend continued last night. 398 yards passing for Stetson Bennett, three passing touchdowns and 18 fourth quarter points for the Bulldogs, which included that 76 yard touchdown reception by Arian Smith, a play on which there wasn't an Ohio State defensive back within 25 yards of Smith. I mean, it was laughable how badly the Buckeye secondary was torched on that play. But sadly, that has been an all too familiar sight for the Ohio State secondary this season, especially in high leverage moments. Now, according to Pro Football Focus, and look, I know their grades aren't the be-all end-all. The Ohio State defense received their lowest grades of the season in this game for every single defensive facet that PFF grades. Ohio State's grades of 50.5 for rush defense, 50.3 for tackling, 58.5 for pass rush, and 52.3 for coverage were the worst of the entire season for the Ohio State defense. Urban Meyer used to say, when I needed you the most, you gave me your very best. Well, Jim Knowles, when we needed you the most, you gave us your very worst. I also want to share this tweet from Jonah Booker of Bucknuts, as I think it's pretty revealing. The tweet goes like this. In the two biggest games of the year, Jim Knowles defense versus Michigan and Georgia gave up 87 points, 1,063 yards of total offense. They were only able to create one turnover. They gave up 38 fourth quarter points. Actually, it was 39. And they allowed scoring plays of 69, 75, 45, 75, 85, 25, and 76 yards. That is a damning indictment of Jim Knowles and his defense. Those numbers are indefensible, pun intended, by the way. I mean, Knowles has four and five-star talent at every level of his defense. He's making $2 million a year. I mean, he's, he's stealing that money at this stage. His unit was not ravaged by injuries in this game like the offense. And he can't blame COVID as we did two years ago when Kerry Combs' defense was embarrassed in the national title game by Alabama. Personally, if I'm Ryan Day... I would cut my losses right now, and I would send Jim Knowles packing. I mean, why wait? Day made the mistake of doing that with Kerry Combs after the 2020 season, and it ended up costing the Buckeyes a shot at the national title in 2021. Now, I don't think Ray Day is going 
to fire Knowles. So the next best thing I think is more oversight. Uh, Knowles also, I think, needs help with the architecture of the defense and the play calling. He just cannot be left to his own devices anymore. I think that's what the 2022 season taught us. And I think they should seriously consider bringing in a second veteran defensive mind to help Knowles. I don't know it, that it should be another on the field coach. Maybe it's one of those, you know, off the field guys, you know, those consultants that they bring in. Of course, you know, there are issues inherent with that approach as well in terms of too many cooks in the kitchen. Whatever the case, whatever it is, I think it needs to be a meaningful move by day to immediately address the catastrophic breakdowns of the defense. Those are completely unacceptable. I would also have a very close look at the job Perry Eliano and Tim Walton did with the safeties and cornerbacks this season. I mean, are they the right men for those jobs? I think that's a very big question as well. Now, speaking of Ryan Day, look, I said in our preview pod last week that a loss, however it comes, would be a major disappointment and a big hit to Ryan Day's reputation. Now, I don't usually tend to grade Ohio State on a pass-fail scale, but I really felt like Ryan Day had to win this game to avoid another major hit to his reputation. But honestly, I'm not feeling that way this morning. Now, I was worried Day wouldn't be able to get his team up for this game after the way they played, you know, flat and tight against Michigan. Well, that was not the case last night. Ohio State played with great emotion. And I also thought Ryan Day's team showed great toughness and fight after Georgia landed a series of haymakers during a 17-0 run in the second quarter to take a 24-21 lead. But Ohio State came right back with a 17-0 run of its own, which included a 37-yard touchdown pass from Stroud to Xavier Johnson at the end of the second quarter on a beautiful design play, by the way. Johnson was lined up in the backfield as a running back. He got a matchup on a linebacker right up the seam, and Stroud hit him for a beautiful touchdown pass to give Ohio State a 28-24 halftime lead. Uh, and, you know, I thought that... that you know, the Buckeyes did a great job there really stemming that uh, that Georgia run and, and you know, get control of the game back. So kudos to Ryan Day for that. I also thought Day seemed to recapture his mojo as a play caller in this game. He, quite frankly, he had the Georgia defense backpedaling almost the entire night. It was only after Marvin Harrison Jr. went down with that injury that, that Georgia was, you know, able to start really pinning its ears back and coming after C.J. Stroud. And, you know, the fact that Ryan Day was able to generate the offense that he did and as many points as his offense did without Jackson Smith and Jigba, with no Trey Henderson, without Mayan Williams, right? They only got three carries from Williams in this game. And then losing Kate Stover and Marvin Harrison Jr. over the course of the game. And this was against a Georgia defense that's just loaded with NFL players. I mean, it was miraculous that the offense performed the way that it did under those circumstances. And you got to give Ryan Day a lot of credit for that. Now, I think Ryan Day's biggest challenge is figuring out how to manage the Jim Knowles situation in 2023 and beyond. I, I don't want to belabor that point. I've just talked about it. But that's the one remaining beef that I have with Day. Just not enough oversight with Knowles. And as the CEO of the program, the failures of the defense do ultimately come back to him. But many of my other concerns, you know, going into last night's game, I think have been quelled. Ohio State showed great emotion and toughness and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the defending national champs in their backyard, by the way. So give Ryan Day a lot of credit for that. I want to talk a little bit about C.J. Stroud. I mean, I thought he, again, was magnificent last night. Uh, he was the best player on the field, in my opinion, in that game. 
Ohio State fans, myself included, wanted to see more playmaking from Stroud than just than just a pocket passer. And I think he showed that last night and then some. For example, sidestepping Jalen Carter and delivering a strike to Julian Fleming for a first down. I mean, that play had to have had NFL scouts you know, salivating. And with Marvin Harrison Jr. in concussion protocol and unavailable, how about Stroud's 27-yard scramble on the final drive to get Ohio State into field goal range? And then, of course, Stroud was just a surgeon from the pocket, as he always is, against a Georgia defense that, again, is just loaded with NFL talent and was bringing great pressure on Stroud. 23 of 34 for 348 yards, four touchdown passes, no interceptions. I don't think Stroud had a bad throw all night. So it was a heroic performance from Stroud. We got everything he could possibly give us in that game last night. Now, I think Stroud will leave behind a complicated legacy at Ohio State because he never beat Michigan. He never won the Big Ten. He never won a playoff game or a national championship. But of course, does anybody with a pair of eyes think Stroud was the reason none of those things happened during his two seasons as a starter at Ohio State? I certainly don't. He put up incredible individual stats. He played extremely well in Ohio State's biggest games. After Archie Griffin, he was the program's only two-time Heisman finalist, though he never won the award, as we know. I think Stroud is one of the top three or four quarterbacks to ever come through this program. And personally, I would put him second behind Justin Fields. And it's just a damn shame that he doesn't have the team accomplishments that quarterbacks like Troy Smith and Fields have to place him among the all-time greats at Ohio State. But I have massive respect and huge appreciation for Stroud. I think most fans do. He will be missed, for sure. Okay, that's going to do it for me. I will try to line up Paige and Chad for a more comprehensive look at this game later in the week. I want to give them both a few days to get over their disappointment and sleep off their hangovers. We'll also have a look ahead to the 2023 season while we're at it. Uh, Still a lot to look forward to for all Ohio State fans next season. The Buckeyes will be right back in the playoff mix in 2023. Mark those words. So until later this week, thanks so much for listening and go Bucks. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.